Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on the stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week, and we're not running yes. away from this many reviews. In fact, we're running towards them, starting off with Runaways number 33 from Marvel. Oh, I see what you Rainbow did there. Rally. Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, That's what we thought. That's oh, what we knew. I know. It's a little tricky there. But there you no, go. we're running toward them. Yes. This title has been sporadic, to say the very best. Uh, but I think it is always welcome when it returns. We're cutting in on our kids. Some of them are going to high school. Some are not. They're trying to balance responsibilities. This run by Rainbow Rowell has been so good. And I am yes. so happy whenever it comes back. I, I agree. Like, it's so well, like... Each scene really stands out. Um, the characters are so like well thought through. The art's great. Like I love this story. It captures adolescence um, and also the superhero side of it at the same time. It's one of my favorites. Pete, I mean, it, I really liked it until the manhandling of Wolverine, and then I was like, all right. But uh, the art's unbelievable. It's some really great storytelling. Uh, I think this is fun. I really like the Gib. You think uh, you think Wolverine could beat a Doombot? Doombots are so strong. There's they no really way. are. Yes. Wolverine's so short. He's so tiny. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna, I hate both of you. <laughs> Doombots are robot dooms, which is a good dooms good, and robots are cool. One of the things that I think is particularly impressive about this book is usually you don't see this sort of second resurgence. I mean, not to get too lofty about it, it's maybe not quite on the same level as bringing back the X-Men or anything like that. But you certainly had Brian K. Vaughn launching Runaways, it petering out after a little while. Sorry, Pete, I know you, you don't like me saying that. Yeah, it just came up. It was up. a it different expression. Up. No it lapaged out a little bit. It's not, it's not funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then they took the characters and they split them up and put them on other teams and used them in different ways. So it's kind of amazing that they are taking them back and making them work so well. And it makes me very happy. Let's move on to another book. Man Bat, number one from DC Comics, written by Dave Wilgos, art by Subit Kabar. Uh, this is following the Man Bat. Some bad th- stuff is happening to him. He's trying to be a hero, but it just doesn't work because he's just a Man Bat. He's uh, just a Man Bat. What would you think about this book? I mean, and, and as a follow-up, who asked for this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a little, it's a little weird. I mean, also, it's kind of, he's a scientist that doesn't do science. He just thinks that flying around like a man bat is going to win the day, and I don't see how that works. But uh, the art you was great. You walk around as a human all the time, Pete. What is that doing? Yeah. <laughs> good, good call. Burn? I don't think so. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, the art's great. Justin, oh, what do you okay. think about this one? <laughs> Thought you were going to say more. Um, I mean, this f- strikes me as uh, a different. Man Bat in the DC Universe right now feels very much like the um, uh, 
the Justice League Dark character. And I really like that uh, iteration of Man Bat, who's this sort of like loopy scientist who's like uh, obsessed with um, darkness, but also like trying to make his science into sort of mad science. And so this take is is different. And I missed the other one reading this, uh, but I do like the art and it feels very much like a classic um, Batman the Animated Series take on on Man Bat. I do think I was being, you know, obviously being very glib with who asked for this because I don't think anybody was necessarily demanding a Man Bat series. It was I'm confusing. sure there's people out there who love I'm the sure. Man Bat. It's the sort of thing that felt to me like if it came out at Halloween, I'd understand what was going on here. As is, I think, well-written, good art. I like it. I don't know what its long-term prospects are necessarily, but as an individual book, if you like the character, I think you'll be happy. But here's the thing. If you go up and you're like, I, I love Batman, you're like, let me try this other version of the words. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there's also a book coming out next week we're going to be talking about called Bat-Bat and a book me, after that called Man Mad. Wait, wait. So, Justin, let me just... So, if somebody walks into a comic book shop and they say, hey, I like some Batman, and they say we're sold out, but would you like to try some man bat? And you think that's how a man bat tells? Is that what you're that's saying? What, I mean, yes. Okay. I, I think so. All right. Yeah. Like if you walk into a grocery store and you're like, I'd like some pineapple. And they're like, no, uh, we have regular apples and some pine nuts. You'd be like, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you would. Yeah, Same you can thing. make them at home. Look at it on Epicurious. All right, Spectre Inspectors, number one for Boombox, written by Bowen McCurdy, art by Caitlin Musto. Uh, this is, I think, another win for Boombox, just a fun story of a bunch of uh, ghost investigators who encounter something even more terrifying than what they expected. This book is a delight, and I am completely on board. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I love this book. I really thought it was cool setup. It took some great turns. I was really impressed with this. The art storytelling is really a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I think it's great. I agree. Like it was, it really surprised me with how yeah. like uh, it's. I, I think there are a lot of books like this in this art style where it is sort of like um, character driven, like these people are trying to do this and they haven't figured it out. But this really like the art pays off on the comedy side and the character and relationship side. And then the the story itself is super fun as well. Like I, I really like this. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Excited to follow this book. Next up, The Immortal Hulk, number 43 from Marvel, written by Al Ewing, art by Joe Bennett. Uh, in this issue, <laughs> a lot of stuff going on, uh, but Joe Fixit is on the run, hiding out. The UFOs are training and getting ready to fight the Hulk, and of course, it all goes down by the end of the issue. Uh, I don't know what more to say about this book than it is great. <laughs> Well, let me say, to me, this is a good reset issue mm -hmm. um, where if you've been a little lost lately with, like, all the different sort of stretchy uh, Hulk, Hulk with eye yeah. eyeball hands and stuff, like, this is a good, like, uh, restating of what the premise where it's like, um, at the beginning of the issue, uh, Joe Fixit says, all the other Hulks are gone. Now it's just me, Joe Fixit, and dumb Hulk. We're mm -hmm. in the body. So it's back to sort of the basic Hulk premise, except instead of being a smart scientist, he's like a uh, not as smart grifter. Um, and oh, he's I'd on the say street. He's doing, he's doing pretty good. Well, Until... he's not as, as smart as Bruce Banner, though. Oh, well, sure. And I think he is doing good, but his whole thing is being a good grifter as yeah. opposed to being a, a scientist. And he is. He and is I, a good I grifter. Love this. He's a good grifter. 
And yeah, would you I'd rather be a scientist? Pete clearly hates science and loves grifting. Yeah. Um, and that's what but, he worships. I mean, this book is great. It's fantastic. But I really liked uh, Like the when jo- you're sick, Pete, you don't go to a doctor. You go to like a three-card Monty person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You see a, ba- a guy in the back of a restaurant who will take a look and he can tell yeah. you what's going on. He's like, right here, follow the diagnosis. Follow the diagnosis. Here we go. 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 <laughs> you have... Uh, <laughs> Um, a uh, ear to bowel syndrome. Yeah. Uh, so I think that uh, I could have used more Joe Fix It on the streets. I thought this was fun. But that being said, it was very cool to see him still have to kind of fight for the underdog and do what was right. So, yeah, I very much enjoyed this. Also, uh, Alpha Flight cameo was great. I mean, this was this was a lot of fun. It continues yeah. to be amazing. Doc good, Sampson is Sasquatch somehow. Good stuff. And uh, just and, to work off of what Pete said, as I always say, Joe fix it in the streets and loose Hulk in the sheets. Oh, wow. my God. You do say that uh, too, too many much. times. Too much. Um, I love the UFOs, and they do a great job here as being the villains, and we get to sort of actually find out who they are and what they do. Let's move on to our future state block. We've been doing this for the past couple of weeks as DC has been trucking through their look at a possible glimpse of the future of the DC universe. (laughs) As usual with this, uh, these are the titles coming out this week. Uh, There's Superman and Metropolis number two, Wonder Woman number two, next Batman number three, The Flash number two, Swamp Thing number two, Harley Quinn number two, and we read all of those. Uh, But call out what you liked. Pete, uh, what what was your favorite title of this bunch this week? Ooh, favorite title. Um, this is a big surprise because we've only done it for the past four weeks. Go ahead. Yeah, yes. yeah. Big surprise. Big surprise. I have an uh, answer if you want to think. Yeah, go uh, ahead, uh, Justin. Uh, uh, no. Harley Quinn, uh, number two. Uh mm. Really, uh, I'm really impressed with the writing and the, and the art on this, and it continues to be really great. This is written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Simone DeMeo and Tony Infante. Uh, in this book, Harley Quinn is working for Scarecrow, trying to take down Black Mask. There's plenty of twists and turns throughout the book. Scarecrow is uh, like a cop, essentially. Uh, Jonathan Crane on the side, the quote-unquote good guys, and Black Mask is a bad guy, and that gets a little confusing. My take on this book, this felt, these two issues felt like an episode of Batman the Animated Series yeah. if Harley, Harley Quinn were the central character. Or the Harley in, is Quinn in that stuff. animated series. That's, that's sort of what I'm saying in a lot of ways. Uh, <laughs> but it's not like the Harley Quinn animated series. It's like Batman the Animated Series. Oh, I Quinn. thought it was, it was sort of saying. like oh, a I Scarecrow. It was sort of like a Scarecrow the Animated Series. Mm. Is what yeah. I'd say. It's nothing like hot, that. How dare you A lot of hot takes. I just think there was sort of a, a a lesson at the end. The the characters are having fun, um, even though they were fighting each other. Like I, I enjoyed this. Uh, what about you, Justin? What was your favorite title of the week? Uh, this this Justin, if you uh, need me to go while you're thinking, I can do that. Do not do not need you oh, to go. Okay. You just All right. went. All right. And, well, if you just if you need some time, I could. No time necessary. Right. I'm ready to talk in three, two, one. Talk, Justin. So I really enjoyed. There are a lot of like weirder titles out this week, um, and the two that I want to highlight are the Flash, uh, Future State, the Flash number two, and Future State Swamp Thing number two. Mm. My two so things. Flash number two, written by Brandon Vietti, art by Brandon Peterson and Will Conrad. Swamp Thing number two by Ram V, art by Mike Perkins. Take it away, so, Justin. 
Flash number two, just like heartbreaking. These two issues were so good, so unexpected. Um, you have um, Wally West as uh, this villain who is uh, maybe possessed by this spirit, and Barry Allen, who's lost his powers, trying desperately to track him down and save him while also stopping the killing spree that's going on against the other um, speed speedsters. And it was just such a good two-part story. Like, I think this is a great standalone uh, just Flash story that is absolutely tragic, but really gets to the core of what Flash's powers are. It's not just running fast, it's hope. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and Swamp Thing? What about that one? Swamp Thing, totally different, like this uh, post-apocalyptic parable about Swamp Thing, who uh, created his own offspring um, through the green, built them. We get to see through both of these issues how meticulously he built them and even their their biological features. And then at the end, uh, this is a spoiler, but he sacrifices them for the sake of humanity because he knows that humanity has a soul and the, the plant children he created do not. And another like yeah, super that heady, was heartbreaking, heartbreaking what was thing. That? Uh, what it was, was that? It was dude? great. It was just uh, like... Both that, that's why uh, I grouped them together. Both the Flash and Swamp Thing did a did what you want a crossover like this to do. Take your characters, get to a core value that they have, and show it in a new way, a, a new unexpected way. And I think both these books did that super well. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. go ahead, just uh, bearded Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm shaved uh, Pete. <laughs> I just wanted to say I'm still uh, enjoying the new Batman. Uh, I really like the backups, though, the Black Lightning, Katana, and the Signal. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was really going to call awesome. this out. I haven't gotten to talk yet. He Pete, hasn't but, you know, chosen go yet, Whatever, Pete. take all your picks. Justin got to say two. Sure. Uh, Future State, the next Batman, number three, written by John Ridley, Brandon Thomas, Paul Jenkins, <laughs> art by Laura Braga, Sumit Kamar, and Jack Herbert. I agree with you. The Outsiders backup has been Excellent. So uh, good. So good. And that's one where where it ends, it's not quite as apocalyptic as Swamp Thing or anything like that. It definitely feels like what I want out of these where it feels like, oh, this is a pilot. This is I want to see more of this. I want to see more of this world. And the big one for me is Future State Wonder Woman number two, written in art by Joelle Jones, which obviously uh, has a lot of heat on it. We talked about this before. This is something that they're kind of so adapting. It's so hot from, right now. It's so, so hot much right heat. now. They're adapting from so CW. Much heat but this is it. this new Wonder Woman heading to the underworld to rescue one of her compatriots. And I know I said this the last time, but I'll repeat it as well. It feels revolutionary to the Wonder Woman mythos in the same way that Brian Azarella and Cliff Chiang's run yeah. did. And it's the sort of thing that I absolutely want to follow going forward. I, I just, the one part that bothered me about that book was she rips off the bones of the arm of the boat person, taking them across, doesn't say sorry, Sharon, nothing. She just does. Like, she says, oops, or something like that. Oops is not sorry. That's you know what I mean? He's still got to roll she the takes, boat. He's still got Charon's bone handoff, throws it to Cerebus to distract him because he's a dog. It's a very cute, funny bit. It's good. It's funny, but that guy still has to row a boat with now less bones and only one arm, and she doesn't (laughs) help out at all. Doesn't even offer to row or nothing. Rowing a boat with less bones is a real is a problem. I agree with you. And she doesn't offer to row. He is an undead spirit. But let me also say, Pete, once you don't have skin, your bones are up for grabs. Wow. That's a rule? <laughs> That's a rule. Watch yeah. out. Keep Gil- getting. That's right. Keep well, your I don't skin. know the last time you've been to a cemetery, but if you look, they have a sign outside that says up for grabs. 
Wow. Yep. A bunch of loose bones at the cemetery. They got a bone box. They shouldn't have loose bones at the cemetery, guys. That doesn't it's make like, any sense. It's like give a penny, take a penny, but you just take bones. <laughs> extra. <laughs> They're extra bones. What? Give a penny, take a penny. Oh, my God. What are you? Are you using all your bones right now, Pete? I don't yes. think so. You have so many head bones. What are you using so them for? So many bones. Oh, you play the piano? The piano? But the piano? We got fucking Mozart over here using all his bones. <laughs> That's what he was known for. All right, moving yeah. on from Future State, let's talk about Deep Beyond, number one from Image Comics, created by Mirka Adelfo, David Goy, uh, Andrew Procardio, and Barbara Nocenzo. Um, I'll tell you, I really liked a lot of what Mirka Adelfo has been doing in Image Comics, but this comic is bonkers. Uh, I don't think bad bonkers, just hard to hold on to exactly what's happening in the plot bonkers. Yeah. It, it, there's a lot going on here. This book, to me, read like a Rick Remender book, where or it read like two Rick Remender books both happening at the same time. Yes. Um, and I that's not to say I didn't like it. It, it has a lot of elements that also, I like. There's like it, weird soap opera in there as well. It's the, so it takes place in maybe a post-apocalyptic future where the sun or gases outside or something killed people. Pollution, pollution, pollution uh, fucked us up. Yeah, pollution fucked us up. Um, and we're explaining it much more straightforward than it actually is. Uh, but there's a bunch of different characters that get involved there. Some of the characters you're following at the beginning don't survive even a quarter wave through the book, and then it jumps over to another situation. It is the sort of thing that feels like. By the second issue, it might have calmed down a little bit and focused, but there's so many ideas at play here. Again, it's hard to hold on to something. The art, very good and gross, Beautiful. though. Yeah. yeah. I like the art, and I like, to your point, Alex, I like the sort of uh, propulsion into the second issue. Yes. Uh, but yes, a little confusing. Uh, agreed. Uh, moving on to the legend, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Uh, Kevin Feige pronounced it in a different way, and now it's really gotten into my head. We've called him Shang-Chi, but it's something else. The way you actually pronounce it, Shang-Chi or something like that. Oh, Number wow. one from Marvel, written by Alyssa Wong. I'll look it up. Uh, art by Andy Tong. Uh, this is a one-shot focusing on the character, clearly teeing up the movie that's coming at some point. And this pits him against Lady Deathstrike. I thought this was a lot of fun. Just a good action-y book. 100%. This feels like if you are excited about the uh, Shang-Chi movie, then you can read this and feel I think you're going to get a lot of the elements of the movie right here in this book. Yeah, I I love this. The the art's unbelievable. The action, of course, is fantastic. Uh, great to see Letty Deathstrike uh, not associated with Wolverine, you know, kind of doing other things. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I'm very excited for this uh and more of it. So I, I hope this does well. Uh, let's move on and talk about another book that I think was a little hard to hold on to, but there's still some exciting elements into it. Uh, Chain to the Grave, number one from IDW, written oh, by yeah. Andy Eisenbach and Brian Level, art by Kate Sharon. The thing that I really like about this book is it's mostly about a dude who died a sort of probably bad cowboy is resurrected by his wife and is like, hey, family, let's go on a voyage of vengeance to take out the people who killed me. That's the straightforward part. There's a lot of other stuff happening in this book, but the art style is good. Pete, you had to love the main guy. He's a big hulking guy with half a face who wants to kill people, right? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, I thought it was a little weird, uh, the blowjob in front of the kids, but we'll move right past that and just kind of uh, uh, talk about a lot of the twists and turns. 
The art's really unbelievable, but the character design is really cool. I'm excited for more action and to kind of find out what's really going on. Uh, this reminded me of, the, I forget the title of the book, and I think we've talked about it a lot. Um, the woman who lives in the house, and the house has a bunch of, there's like blood everywhere all the time. Oh, uh, yeah. We consistently forget the title of this book. Yes, and I I knew it last time when you didn't know it, and I now don't know it. Um, yeah. It was a blood house. Yeah, it's like House of Sorrows or something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, but stylistically, the art also reminds me a little bit of Chew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, in a good yeah. way, uh, and yeah, this is it's fun. I I agree. This is um, it, it's a it's a good read, and I really wish I could remember the name of that book that I'm trying to think of. <laughs> I think I read about House of Sorrows or something like that. Uh, I'll introduce the next one. You can look it up if you want. Far Sector number ten from DC Comics, written by N.K. Oh. Jemison, art by Jamal Campbell. We gush over every issue of this book. I thought this was a particularly good one, and it jumped out to me once again how important it is that not just the writer, but also the artist to stay consistent for 10 issues on here. It's made it a really cohesive package. Uh, but we're following our main Green Lantern. Uh, she has been imprisoned, and shit goes down this issue. This feels like a yeah. lot of what this title has been leading towards. There's been a lot of stuff happening in the background on this weird planet that she's been living on, and it's all coming to head in terms of a revolution. It's all coming crashing down. Uh, great stuff. This was honestly, I think, one of my favorite issues of this book so far. Agree, oh, like, and to, that's to saying get all a these lot. answers. Yeah. yeah, it is to get all these answers in this book is so good, um, and sort of restating the thesis. We get a nice lead-in page at the top of this issue to really uh, remind us of exactly what's happening. Um, so many great ideas. So many uh, just if the premise and the philosophies it's uh, on it at display on display here are so good. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to keep coming up with different things to say about how amazing this book is. Uh, But the the story continues to impress. The art is so creative and unbelievable. I I just, every time I pick it up, I'm like, I'm worried it's not going to be as good as the last issue. And it continues to be dope as fuck. Next up, Star Wars The High Republic Adventures, number one from IDW, written by Daniel Jose Older, art by Harvey Tolabao. Uh, so we talked about the first issue of Marvel's Star Wars The High Republic. This is part of that expansive, overarching story set much earlier in the Star Wars timeline. This one is for all ages readers, which is what IDW does with the Adventures line. Um, so I thought it would be interesting to check in with this, particularly compared to the Marvel book. Uh, what you guys think about this one? Well, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was really cool the way it was kind of split and uh, the story kind of comes together. Uh, very, very cool. Um, it was, I liked the art. It, it it was like very interesting, kind of fresher take on Star Wars. Like we're used to a certain style and seeing people a certain way. So it was a nice kind of like creative take. It felt like it was a grittier Star Wars, which I appreciated. Um, yeah, I thought it was really cool. Had a great ending that was got me excited to read more. Well, you know, you know, we love this timeline page. Um, yeah. that, the last book we talked about extensively where they list all the movies and TV shows in timeline. It's very satisfying to just look at that. Speaking yeah. of satisfying, what do you guys think of Hot Yoda? That's something we got a little sense of in the Marvel book, but definitely more here. What? Like this is this is a buff 
Yoda. Like he's a what? little jacked, probably has some abs under that robe going on, and he is about? ready for action. He's young. he's got he he's got abs on his forehead. He's got abs mm-hmm. on his uh, above and below his lips. He's all abs. He is young, was- dumb, and full of midichlorians. Oh my god, that was awful. <laughs> uh, I it was weird how people were like, "Hey, maybe we should think about this." And Yoda was like, nah, fuck it, we're in too deep, let's roll. It was surprising for a kid's book that he said, fuck it, in the text. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Let me say seriously about this. Um, What I like about the choices here, the art is very, feels very much like a uh, fantasy book. And I think that's a smart choice for a comic book about Star Wars. Like we've seen this like sci-fi version of Star the Star Wars world a lot. To see the fantasy version of it is is where a lot of the roots of of the Jedi and everything are. They have laser swords, and this was a very cool um, version of that. And I like the ongoing monologue from our um, young uh, Force sensitive character that we uh, meet in this book. The yeah. other thing is we get a sense of the bad guys, which we didn't really get in the Marvel book yet. There's this overarching force of evil. They seem to be augmented in some way that are going to play into this whole uh, High Republic story that they're telling. Uh, so that was kind of neat. I haven't, I assume you guys have not as well, but I haven't read the novel by Charles Soule necessarily yet, uh, which I think deals with them a little bit more. Uh, but that should, uh, it's interesting. And it's not as young aiming as you might think. Speaking 100%. of things that are not as young aiming, let's talk about Luna, number one from Boom Studios by uh, Maria Lovett. Yeah. Now, Pete, you're a huge go. fan of the book Faithless by Brian Azzarello and so- Maria Lovett. This is following a different girl uh, who also gets fucked by some magical creatures. <laughs> uh, Pete, what'd you think about this one? <laughs> so, Salvin, do you just like... You're like, listen, I gotta find something that's creepy enough, uh, but not, but artistically driven enough where I don't feel so dirty reading it. Like, here's uh, the thing: we are still in lockdown. I cannot go to the Museum of Modern Art and jerk off there anymore. So I've got to find out. You mean the Museum of Sex to jerk off? I uh, sadly no. He he goes to the Museum of Modern Art <laughs> or or the uh, Natural History Museum. He goes to any museum. Uh, he sure. I go to the Met sometimes at the Temple of Dendar. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> There's uh, room in this tube. I shout. Oh my god! Uh, I, the publishers of this book are like, let's listen to Comic Book Club. See if we have a good pull quote for the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, they mostly talked about one of the hosts jerking off in the museum. <laughs> Uh, I really like this book. Um, I think uh, Maria Lovett's art (laughs) is great. And yes, uh, a lot of her books focus on an innocent woman getting (laughs) slowly deeper into some sort of mystical uh, thing where there's sex involved. Uh, But it it plays really well. And I think this one makes sense. She's the writer and artist, so it feels very much like she's taking ownership of the story. And um, uh, I like I like the tone that her art sets is so good, and so I, I want to watch it. I, I want to put it on the wall in the museum. The <laughs> well, I, I'll uh, do something to no, that. Uh, the, <laughs> don't. I'll no. see you there. Yes, <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, her art is fantastic. It is particularly psychedelic here. It's about this character that travels. I think to the desert, though it's not 100% clear, and maybe take some LSD or something like that. So it goes into some very weird visuals. It's not 
dark and devilish like Faithless is necessarily. It goes in a different direction. Um, but it's gorgeous stuff. It's a little uh, sketchier. I mean that like literally like the lines are a little looser than, say, a Milo Manara or something like that. Um, yeah. But great. Uh, I I really enjoyed this book as well. Let's move on. Talk about the comic book history of animation. Number three from IDW written by Fred Van Lenty and art by Ryan Dunlavey. And this oh, one we're continuing. We should get them on the show because I'd love to talk to them about this we book. We just man. Pete. We just had them on our live show, Pete. which is available as a podcast. Uh, we should have week. them back. I want to talk about this issue. All right. Well, in this issue, uh, we're continuing to deal with the Disney revolution, delving deeper into Looney Tunes, as well as Fleischer, uh, creator of the Superman cartoon and other things. Another great issue of this book, informative, fun. Uh, I'm having a blast reading this. Yeah, and yeah. getting into all these characters that we uh, know. You got some Mr. Magoo in here. Mm-hmm. You got your Bugs, you got your Daffy, you got your Wiley E. Coyote. Oh, yeah. Just all your favorites are here. Um, the anecdotes that they incorporate into the story are so good. And this is getting into prime time of this type of cartooning. Yeah. And animation. what's great is not only is it amazing art and fantastic storytelling, you're also learning stuff. And it's cool uh, to, to find out about all this uh, this way. I, yeah, I'm having a blast with this. Really impressive. Kill the Wabbit. Let's move on and talk about Kill King and Black Marauders, number one from Marvel, written by Jerry Duggan, uh, art by Luke Ross. In this issue, the Marauders are heading to New York, ostensibly on a mission to rescue the X-Men who have been taken over by Noel, the King in Black, but they run into a couple of snags along the way. Uh, I thought this was really well done. This is a great book that stands as a one-shot story, tells you enough that you need to know about the Marauders while feeding the ongoing story there. Uh, You don't necessarily need to be reading King in Black, but you get enough of a sense of it. It's a really hard balancing act, but I think they walk it perfectly here. It does all that while also telling this tragic story about human trafficking. Like, it it covers a lot of bases, and it's just a, a testament to that, like, really heads up storytelling to be able to do all that in an issue seamlessly. Yeah. Uh, I was really impressed with this book. This, uh, I think so far is my favorite X-Men book, uh, that, uh, I've read of this new kind of era and, uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, there was a lot of great action, a lot of great kind of like commentary by the quote unquote heroes. I, I thought this was really fun, Amazing art, great action, and uh, I love the ending. I thought it was so powerful and cool. Man, M- Magneto, dude, that was really crazy with the whole skipping a rock thing and talking. That was unbelievable. I also love Magneto at the end. Um, he's sort of like laying down in the air, oddly. He's like, <laughs> he's not hovering in a menacing way. He's, it feels like he's sort of reclining in a way. Where I was like, yeah, of course he's going to sort of lay down a little bit. He's a tired superhero. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Speaking of a bunch of tired superheroes, let's talk about Transformers Beast Wars, number one from IDW, written by Eric Burnham, art by Josh Burcham. This is a reboot of the classic Transformers Beast Wars franchise with the Transformers heading to Earth in dinosaur times, taking the form of dinosaurs. Most of the book, though, is spent with robots. And other beasts. Yeah, other other beasts, beasts, man. Sometimes fruit bats or whatever. I don't know. Uh, Gorillas. Anyway, Optimus Primal. This is if you if this is what you're into. This is the fuzziest the Transformers have ever been. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, Beast Wars were a big kind of like uh, bringing the Transformers back to a popular kind of like cartoon Saturday styles. And like I was a little, I missed Beast Wars. Like that, I was kind of done with Transformers at that point. But you th- grew, you grew up, you grew out. Of I grew out of Transformers. You're like a, a big bit, boy. You don't like it. I, you, you know, don't like it anymore. That's I don't know about all that. But um, yeah, Beast Wars kind of missed me. Um, but I kind of felt like Zalvin when he was reading uh, like a Transformers book, and you were like, I don't know who's who, and it was a little confusing because I wasn't as familiar with these. Uh, Transformers. Uh, so it was uh, it was a little a little hard in the beginning, but then by the end, I thought it like was pretty Optimus cool. Like Optimus Prime and Megatron. No, no, there were other versions. I knew who they were Pete. Uh, well, there was, was a book obvious. that you were like, weren't. I don't know if it was Power Rangers or no, Transformers. I, I couldn't tell any of them apart. They're okay. all robots in this book. Well, they're in disguise. They're in yeah. disguise as cars. <laughs> so it's hard to tell who's not who. in this one. Like if if I could turn into a car, you'd be like, who's that car? Is that Justin? I, I would know. I don't know. Yeah. I you always know do that when I'm walking along on the street. <laughs> yeah. You're I'm like, which to, car is Justin and which I car is I try to Pete? start a podcast with every car. Oh, man. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. <laughs> um, I loved Beast Wars when the show was on. Okay, like, I, there we of go. All, of all the cartoons, um, Beast Wars got into this like very philosophical place with the transformers they were chasing their sparks they were trying to find out if essentially they had souls like it was so good and this comic feels like it's maybe going to get there i hope it does um this issue really set the stage for that and i hope they really honor the the very the depth of storytelling they did on this uh cartoon that was that p was too good for <laughs> Next up, here's one I'm sure Justin enjoyed a whole lot. King in Black, Black Knight, number one from Marvel, written by Simon Spurrier, <laughs> art by Jesus Saez. Uh, the reason I call it, you're, uh, you like the Black Knight, right? I like him. I, I, I like his role in the Avengers, and okay. I feel like he, um, and I do like him. I, I'm not saying I don't, but back in the Avengers, he was like this sort of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I think he was sort of a, a precursor to the Hawkeyeification mm-hmm. of so many uh, Marvel characters where he was like, yeah, I'm sort of a shithead. I don't shave, but I put my helmet on and I have my glowing sword. What are we doing today? Um, and this is sort of a little bit that, but a little bit not that. Um, it sort of had a wobbly beginning. It felt like the premise was like really in your face um, and I didn't really buy into it until about halfway through the issue. But at the end of it, I thought it was it was a good issue. Yeah, I really love the way this ended. It, it got a little bit weird at some points, but I love the action. I loved kind of like the whole backstory and why uh, you know Noel is after the the swords and all that kind of stuff like that. I'm very much by the end of it and very excited for the next issue. I thought this did a great job of like laying the groundwork to get you pumped for more. Yeah, I mean, to that point, the next issue is a, I assume, ongoing series for Black Knight that is going to pick up here. So to your point, Justin, to me, it felt like this is probably stuff that Simon Spurrier is going to deal with more heavily in the series once he gets to it. But he's kind of playing around with ideas and throwing there, but can't go all the way because it's just this one crossover issue where somebody was like, hey, what are the characters that say black in their name? Have them do a King and Black thing. Let's go. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but it's a good issue, and the art is good, and it brings in some fun characters. And to your point, there's some fun action by the end. Last yeah. but not least, Sea of Sorrows, number four from IDW, written by Rich Duick, art and colors by Alex Korbach. We had Wait. Rich on our show a couple of weeks back. What? Did you say the last one? Yeah. We didn't do Fear Case. What is Fear Case? <laughs> <laughs> Did you make that up? No, that's the that's the... Are you serious? What is Fear Case? Yes. Fear Case number one by Matt Kent. Oh, no, I missed that one. Do you want oh. to talk about it, Pete? Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> Great. Uh, Go ahead. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I was, I've been waiting to talk about this book. I, I'm very excited about it. Uh, this is cool. This is like this setup of this kind of like FBI hazing. Of like, okay, here is this case that nobody can solve. We'll let you rookies work on it for a little while. And it really builds it up as like this epic all-time thing that nobody can figure out. And you're like, how how can this thing be going on for so long? But really kind of lays out this interesting mythos and very high stakes. I love the art. It's like uh, uh, sketchy but cool in this way that is kind of like... Great, I feel like fits with this story because it's a little dark and telling this kind of epic tale. Uh, I was really impressed with the art and storytelling. This is a fun who done it, what's going on, how are we going to all figure this out? I thought this was an amazing first issue that really got you excited for a bunch of stuff. And yeah, um, and I want to talk about Hat Dance. Oh, okay, sure, sure. Hat dance number, hat number dance? one or or which one? Right, so number like six hundred and seven. You guys haven't oh, been reading Hat Dance. Uh, I want to talk about Mouse Friends number one. Ooh, <laughs> Mouse Friends. Yeah, I think you're talking about Cinderella, and I'm here for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good I movie. Watch a lot of it. Two movies, honestly. Like, there's a whole thing going on with Cinderella. There's a thing going on with the mouse and the cat. I don't know. Bring it together some way, guys. <laughs> sea of Sorrows, number four, from IDW, written by Rich Duick, art and colors by Alex Cormack. In this issue, we are finally getting some hardcore, absolutely gross mermaid attack action here. Uh, yes. Spoiler, but they reveal what these mermaids look like, and it is absolutely horrifying. Uh, this is uh, the slow tension has been building for three issues. The lid is off here, and it's awful. Uh, what do you guys think about this issue? Great reveal. This is what I've always wanted yeah. to see in The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I thought it Did was... Did you only read Fear Case or what's going no, on? No, no, no. First <laughs> off, the art is so creepy in all the right ways. So it's good. great. And, you know, they've been teasing on, like, what's going on with the, uh, like, kind of hot, what the bad force is driving behind it. And we finally get to really see it in all its glory in this issue. And it is really creepy and messed up, but really uh, interesting to see how they're going to kind of make it, uh, how these ships are going to do out in the middle of nowhere. Awesome. Good stuff. And if you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube coming out. We'd love to chat with you about comic books at Comic Book Live on Twitter, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, short. Hat dance number 607, guys. Check it out. 